Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Finding My Voice. Today I am going to read you the backstory of one of my newest Dungeons and Dragons characters. And if if fate have wills it and we play this long and prosper, <laughs> okay, Star Trek, nice. Um, well, I, I'm feeling like I'm gonna co continue the backstory with every session played because every session. Uh, is part of the backstory for the next session. So I'm going to have like a nice little story. I wrote the backstory in first person and I'm just going to make a long uh, voice exercise out of reading the backstory of 16 pages. Woo! So, here goes. Uh, it's a long text. I might flub it a bit on the way. You'll have to bear with me for that. Okay, here we go. The Tyranny of Dragons. Aurelia, the Guardian of Friendship. Backstory, Part 1, The Wayward When I grew up in the town of Greenest, I was known as Evie the Wayward, and I had no love for my hometown at the time. It could be considered a small town or a large village, but being conveniently located between the large city of El Tyrell to the north and the southern trade routes reaching all the way to the Omn, Greenest had long been seen as strategically important and enjoyed a fairly decent economy. The fertile lands were ideal for both crops and cattle, and situated around a hill topped with a fort, the village could be seen from miles away, like a beacon with a promise of rest for the weary traveller. I grew up in the orphanage on the southwestern edge of Greenest. All my life I was painfully aware that there were two kinds of orphans, those born to locals who died tragically, and then there were the rest of us. I never knew the names of my parents, and that made me a target for any mean-spirited bully who needed to assert their dominance. I wasn't alone. A tiefling named Juniper, who was a couple of years older than I, was in a similar situation. She had been forced to develop a thick skin over the years, and she often fought back against the bullies. This earned her a certain amount of respect in a way, but it also increased the intensity of the abuse when it did happen. People were especially cruel about her heritage and often pointed out her demonic traits, such as the horns, her tail, or dark grey skin. She took me under her wing and protected me in ways that she probably wished someone had done for her at my age. Her bright golden eyes amazed me. How they could go from radiating fierce, terrible anger when looking at our enemies to tender sisterly love when looking at me. We were inseparable and quickly grew as close as sisters, though we looked nothing alike apart from the fact that we both had long silver hair. I used to be teased quite a lot, especially when making up stories about my parents. It was a bad habit I picked up when hearing the other orphans tell stories about their own parents, and I felt left out. One night, when I was crying after my tall tales had been called out, and the other children had made it clear that I couldn't even remember what any of my parents looked like, and that no one in the village even knew who they had been. That night, Juniper secretly gave me a locket. She told me that she had broken into the office of the orphanage's newly appointed headmistress, Greta. They kept the belongings of the parents and, knew as she was, she wouldn't know what had been stolen as long as I kept it to myself. I would be fine. The locket was very pretty, if a bit tarnished. Inside was a drawing of a man and a woman, and Juniper told me that they were my parents. I loved that locket so much. 
and Junie became like a sister to me. I would protect her as fiercely as she had protected me. I made an effort to learn how to make jewelry so I could craft a French lip bracelet for Juniper. I took my time, I needed it to be perfect. And when I finally gave it to her, she beamed out and instead of putting it on her wrist, she put it on one of her horns. She said she wanted everyone to be able to see it. One day, a new girl named Anna arrived. She was like us, alone with no next of kin in the village. I remember thinking the thin blonde girl looked so helpless and Junie pointed out that she remembered thinking similarly of me when I had first arrived at the orphanage. We adopted her into our group almost instantly and anyone who even looked at her sideways would be tormented by us for days. This wasn't easy, of course. We were still being bullied and abused, but our sisterhood empowered us and made us feel strong together, even though the abuse sometimes got violent enough to leave lasting scars. Our defiant nature annoyed Greta to no end, as she felt we undermined the order she was trying to achieve, which led her to look the other way when one of the older boys, Rolf, was particularly mean to us. He would never get into trouble, and she would make sure we would get blamed for anything that ever went wrong. When I was 12, Junie left the orphanage. As she put it herself, she had simply had enough of Greta's shit. She remained mostly in greenness though, and even though we saw her less, the unbreakable bonds of our sisterhood remained intact. Sometimes, after having been away, she would tell us vague stories about the secret society of freedom fighters she had joined. Of course, the stories had to be vague, as her missions had all been very secret. I was so very proud of her, and I often imagined her doing fantastic deeds, fighting for the helpless, and liberating people from oppressive forces. Three years later, she came to us and said she was leaving Greenest forever, and she wanted us to come along. I accepted her offer in a heartbeat, but Anna said she couldn't come with us as she felt there were people that needed her there. Her timid nature and kind heart had become widely known, and bullying her was not quite as socially acceptable as bullying the two of us. So I wasn't worried she'd be in trouble when we left, but it still broke my heart to leave her behind. However, I couldn't stand the thought of being separated from Junie, so away we went. As we left, heading north, Junie explained to me what she called the first rule of the road. Listen closely, Evie. If we get separated, always stay where you are. I will find you. If you move away from the last place I saw you, locating you will be a lot more difficult. So remember, stay where you are. One morning, after several weeks of traveling, we had made camp at a crossroads, surrounded by a thick forest of tall trees that caused a livid pattern on the ground as the sunlight was filtered through the lush canopies above. I woke up to the sound of Junie's frightened yelp. I saw her sitting anxiously on her knees, close to panicking, and I ran to her to help. That is when I spotted my locket. It had been broken in five pieces, two of which were in Junie's hands. I really wish I could say that seeing her tears, I did my best to comfort her, but that would have been a lie. I lost my mind to furious anger. Through her tears, she cried to assure me that she had only wanted to shine it for me, knowing how much I loved shiny things. It didn't make sense to me how shining a locket would break it like that, so instead of trying to understand, I accused her of being jealous of me, because at least I knew what my parents looked like. 
She was shocked, and then responded to my angry outburst in kind, saying I was stupid if I thought she'd have protected me all those years if she had been resenting me. I screamed at the top of my lungs that maybe I wouldn't have needed protection if I hadn't been seen spending time with a horned half-devil like her. As soon as I said it, my breath caught in my throat. Hearing my own voice say those dreadful words to my dear sister, those words that only the worst of our bullies used against her when they wanted to hurt her as badly as possible, the words I had comforted her over so many times. Unable to even move, I saw that fiery anger flash in her eyes, but for the first time ever that anger was directed at me. I waited for her to yell at me, insult me, scream at me, or even bully me. I felt like I deserved it. What she did hurt far worse. There were no more words. I did not know it then, but I would not hear her voice again for ten years. She reached up a hand to her horns, pulled off the friendship bracelet I had made for her, tore it in twain and tossed the pieces into the bushes before turning around and storming off right out of my life, leaving me alone at the crossroads. I fell to my knees and cried for what felt like hours. I picked up the pieces of the locket and put them safely in a leather pouch. Maybe she would return after cooling off. I would apologize to her profusely and she would forgive me because that's what sisters do. I followed Eunice's rule of the road. I stayed put. She would find me, just like she said she would. The sun set and then it rose. I stayed put. The sun set again and yet again it rose. I quickly ran out of food water, but surely she would come back for me any minute now. On the third evening, everything was starting to get blurry. I saw the ground near my face. I must have fallen over. Muffled voices echoed around me before I passed out. Backstory Part 2 The Broken Pieces I had been found by a company of paladins who had taken me with them. They fed me and nursed me back to health, and before I knew it, they considered me one of their own, and they took me to the small stone fort they called home. The fort was old, but well kept, and decorated with trappings and elaborately designed furniture. I quickly fell in love with the garden in the courtyard, with a small fountain surrounded by flowers of every color. During late spring and early summer, the wonderful scent was enough to make me forget who I was, and when the bumblebees were at it, Their buzzing sound seemed to make the whole courtyard vibrate. It wasn't long until they all felt like family to me. Serena was a brown-haired halfling who often spoke to me about the oath they had all taken, the oath of friendship. She said she saw courage in me and had faith that I was intended for great things. Bryn, a tall woman with a dark complexion, was a seasoned warrior who took it upon herself to teach me to defend myself and others. Aaron was a young man, tall and slender, with red hair and green eyes, and a beard that perpetually seemed to promise to grow in properly any day now. He taught me the importance of moving silently when needed. Grond, a well-groomed dwarf, with thick braids in his dark beard and bright blue eyes that were a stark contrast to his wide, dark eyebrows. He sometimes seemed a little grumpy, but once you got to know him, 
he was the most affectionate one in the group. I quickly learned that what could look like moments of silent scowling was in fact deep thoughtfulness, and he never said anything he didn't mean. When I was given the honor to choose an item from the armory, Rond teased me over my choice. Don't you know the purpose of armor, lass? It's supposed to protect you from harm. It was true, the armor plate I had chosen wasn't the toughest piece I could have picked, and though I must admit I was attracted to the shiny polish, it also felt light and flexible enough so that I could move silently when I needed to, heeding Aaron's advice. It was a plate armor chest piece, thinner than most, I admit, but compared to the other ones I tried, it did not hinder my movement. I do feel like I should admit the appearance of the piece did play a part in my choice. It was a beautifully crafted piece. The steel was like silver and the brass was like gold. Some parts had a white finish and every inch of it seemed to want to be noticed. I know it might seem vain, but the creed of the paladins around me was so compelling the idea of signaling the wonders they inspired in me for all to see just made sense. I did recognize the endearing nature of his mockery, though, and responded with, Ah, but did you ever stop to think how well the enemy aims after being blinded? And I lifted the piece up to reflect the sunlight right into his eyes, and we both burst out laughing. It turns out Grond was a skilled blacksmith, and he helped me maintain, repair, and even add to my shiny new armor. He'd always heed my request to keep it light, flexible, and, yes, shiny, even though he sometimes muttered that I was making a poor choice. One day he gave me a headpiece he had found and modified to suit the rest of my armor. It seemed more decorative than protective, though. My forehead would be covered, but not much else would be. But on that day, I was sure he understood why my armor's appearance meant so much to me. It wasn't just vanity. It was an embodiment of being the beacon of love and hope I someday wished to be. It was a sturdy headpiece that shone like the rest of my armor and looked like a combination of a circlet and an armored crown. I looked at it, and I knew. Grand understood that my life was shiny and pretty things went beyond mere vanity. It struck me that he knew me almost as well as Juniper had known me. I stared at him with tears in my eyes. What is it, lass? I didn't mean to cause you any pain, he asked tenderly. You haven't hurt me, Grand. I replied, wiping my tears. It is wonderful, truly. I just... I opened the leather pouch and showed him the pieces of my broken locket. I was going to say something, but the words, like before, got caught in my throat. He just nodded with a sad expression and gently picked the pieces up in his masterful hands. He understood full well I had lost someone important to me. A few days later, he returned the locket to me, and it was more beautiful than ever. It looked brand new and even shinier than my armor. I opened it, and even the picture of my parents had been restored. I couldn't even tell it had been damaged. I started crying right there in front of him. He hugged me close, and after a while, I asked him if he could add an engraving to the inside of the lid. I sat down and drew a picture of Juniper. The next day, there it was, engraved right opposite the picture of my parents. My sister and my parents in the same locket. My most treasured possession had become even more priceless. That night, I sat down and wrote a letter to Juniper. 
I had no idea where to send it, but I felt like I had to get it out somehow. Dearest Juniper, I hope this letter finds you well, wherever you may be. It has been so long since we last spoke, and not a day goes by that I don't think about our time together and the memories we shared. Do you remember that summer day when we were children and we found that hidden grove by the river? We spent hours exploring and splashing in the water and pretending to be great adventurers discovering a secret realm. Laughter and joy we shared that day warms my heart. However, I also think about the last day we saw each other. The day I let my anger get the best of me and said those unforgivable words. I want you to know how deeply sorry I am for hurting you. The way I treated you was unjust and cruel, and it pains me to think of the sorrow I caused you. You were my best friend, my sister, and I betrayed that bond. For that I will forever be sorry. <laughs> my heart aches with regret, and I can only hope that in time you can find it within yourself to forgive and allow me to be part of your life again. <laughs> I wish I could be there to apologize in person and to see the amazing woman you have become. I haven't heard anything about your life since we parted ways, but I hope that you have found happiness and success and that your dreams of fighting for freedom and justice with that secret society you spoke of has come to fruition. As I continue my own journey, I try to live by the principles of the oath of friendship, striving to bring light and hope to those around me. But I will always carry the weight of my mistake, the pain of having hurt the person who meant the most to me. I don't know where to send this letter, or if it will ever reach you if I did. But I needed to write it, to pour my heart onto this parchment and share my deepest apologies and regrets. I hope that you are happy, healthy, and that your life is filled with love and joy. If our paths ever cross again, I hope that we can find a way to heal the wounds of the past and perhaps rekindle the friendship that once brought us so much happiness. With all my love and deepest regret, your once sister, Evie. I kept the letter with me since then, and read it almost every night before bed, and I would cry each and every time. <laughs> Over time, the paladins of friendship became like family to me. They taught me to fight with two weapons at once, to be able to fight multiple enemies, as well as defend allies around me by blocking enemy attacks. At the heart of it all was the importance of friendship, and how the bonds that keep people together have to be cherished and protected at all cost. I wish I had learned that sooner. One day I heard word that a band of orcs had laid siege to Greenest. My emotions were complicated. On the one hand, I could imagine all my old tormentors being tormented themselves, but I quickly felt ashamed of indulging in such fantasies. And once I realized Anna was most likely still living in Greenest, the choice was already made for me. I had to help. And of course, the rest of my new family wanted to help as well. Serena and Erin scattered ahead, 
and found out that the orcs had the town in an iron grip. And most people were alive and well as they had still complied with the orcs' chieftain's wishes. This would not last forever, though. There had already been some disciplinary actions against dissenting villagers causing permanent injuries. Something had to be done. It made me proud to hear that my old friend Anna had been keeping the peace and had been able to save several lives de-escalating violent situations as well as using her skills as the village healer. Bryn and Serena laid out our strategy which would begin with infiltration, followed by an attack from within the town. Seeing my old home again awoke mixed feelings in my heart. There were so many memories of pain and anguish, but it was also here that the sisterhood I treasured so much had blossomed. With my new perspective, I realized that no one, not even a bully, deserved to live in this kind of oppression. The plan was impeccable. When the battle had begun, the number of orcs had already halved thanks to the surgical stealth attacks led by Serena and Aaron. Some villagers joined the fight, and even though some fell, the amount of casualties was surprisingly low. When the dust settled, I looked around. All my fellow paladins were still standing. It was hard to believe we could have achieved such a victory with such few losses. Every dead villager was of course a tragedy, but Greenest was now free from the rule of the orcs. As villagers began to emerge from their hiding places, a lot of faces seemed shocked to recognize me and, not surprisingly, I saw a few expressions of shame. Two faces in particular stood out, Greta and Rolf, the worst of our old tormentors. And they were approaching me. My mind was racing. I did not know how to feel. I had wanted to rescue the town, the entire town, but seeing these two faces made me angry once again. But as Greta opened her mouth to address me, I was surprised. I recognized you from a distance, but I could not believe it. I am so grateful for what you've done for us today, Evie. I just couldn't imagine why you would even want to return here after... Her voice trailed off, and I realized she was trying to apologize, but I couldn't stop my anger from rising within my heart, and it scared me. I felt my expression harden, and it made both Greta and Rolf seem to shrink at the sight of my scorn. Greta steeled herself and continued. I understand this doesn't mean much, but I've had time to think. I have come to realize I... I got it wrong. I thought the children needed order, and I denied you something much more important. Greta started crying in front of me, and I did not know how to feel. Rolf put a hand on her shoulder, a sign of support. It was also confusing. The events contradicted everything I had come to expect of these two. Then I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I spun around to face Anna. My heart softened instantly, and I embraced her. I am so happy you're alive, Anna. She hugged me back for a long time. I'm very happy to see you again, Evie. I have missed you a great deal. Is Junie with you? The joy of our reunion was suddenly replaced with sadness. No, she's not. I have not seen her for a long time. Anna looked down and nodded. I see. I am sorry. She then glanced over at Greta and Rolf. Things change. They always do. I used to be young and so were they. They are sorry, Evie, for everything they did to us. They have been for years. Rolf took a step closer to me. She speaks the truth, Evie. 
When you left, well, not right away, but eventually, Anna helped us realize the hell we put you through. Greta nodded in agreement. We didn't realize we, we were stupid. I know the way we treated you is unforgivable, but please forgive us. Something tugged at my heart. A part of me wanted them to keep suffering, to scorn them and leave them to their pathetic shame, but Anna's bright and kind face made me realize something. As hard as it was to consider forgiving these two, I could not ignore that as bad as they had been to me, I had been just as bad to my dear sister, and I deserved that scorn just as much as Greta and Rolf did. If I wanted to be forgiven, I had to be able to forgive. I nodded to them. It's alright. The past is in the past. You cannot change it, but I can see you would if you could. You are forgiven. As I spoke the words, I felt a weight lifting from my heart. I think the feeling was mutual as Greta and Rolf broke out weeping in each other's arms. I looked at Anna, who looked back at me with a smile. We were interrupted by Bryn, who approached me. Evie, she said, her voice strong. What you have done here today is no small matter. You have shown mercy where others might have sought revenge. Not only have you fought for those who could not fight for themselves, your inner light has chased away your shadows, and you have found the true meaning of friendship. I am proud to call you my sister in arms. Now kneel, sister. It is time to take your oath. I suddenly felt dizzy. I had not forgiven my old tormentors for any kind of reward, but here it was, the highest honor I could imagine. I knelt down, took a deep breath, and before I could begin speaking, I looked up to meet Bryn's eyes. She just nodded and smiled at me, shining with pride. I spoke the words I know so well. Oh, brothers, sisters, friends who I hold dear, I hereby pledge my heart and soul to thee. I will not bend to anger or to fear, the light of friendships all that's guiding me. My every breath and action hath one goal, and to this goal I'll keep both near and far, to forge new bonds and treasure bonds of old, that love and kindness be my guiding star. I vow to be a beacon of the light, a bulwark strong against the tides of woe. To be a star where darkness claims the night. To always carry hope where'er I go. Don't fret when nightfall comes and brings demise. In unity and love the dawn will rise. And with that Serena walked up to me with a smile upon her lips. And so, in honor of your deeds, we bestow upon you a new name, she said. A name you shall wear with pride and honor, and one that shall inspire the lives you touch to reach for the light of friendship. Now rise, Aurelia, guardian of friendship. The feeling was incredible. It was like flying. It was like being swept away by a flood of pure euphoria. I had a new name. One bestowed upon me by my new family, one inspired by their love and their awe. I stood up and steadied myself. I might have wobbled a bit before I found my balance, which made Bryn and Serena share a glance and a chuckle. 
As you probably know, Aurelia means the shiny one. I thought all the name myself. Ron's stage whispered to Aaron, who stifled a laugh. I smiled. My new name was a joke, but a good one. One that reflected both what I stood for and the silly little quirks my friend had grown to love about me. It was a perfect name. We stayed in Greenest to help repair the damages and bestow a sense of security while the villagers recovered from the harrowing experience. I must admit, I was a little embarrassed when all of Greenest joined in to celebrate my new oath. I had been waiting for the day it happened, but I never expected a whole town would celebrate me. Once the festivities were over, though, a solemn realization was slowly growing in the back of my mind. One evening, as I sat by the fireplace in the local inn, Bryn walked up to me with a serious expression on her face. Aurelia, it's time, she said, her voice firm but kind. I knew what she meant. It was time for me to set out on my pilgrimage, to spread the word of friendship and its blessings to all who would listen. I felt a pang of sadness at the thought of leaving my friends behind, but also a sense of excitement about the honorable journey that lay ahead of me. As I packed my things, Aaron and Grond approached me. Well, miss you lass, Grond said. He didn't bother wiping the tear as it left the corner of his eye to journey down his cheek and into his beard. Please come back to us in one piece. Aaron joined in. You'll be fine. Just remember who you are. Always be ready to forgive, but never hesitate to draw your blade when the moment calls for it. I gave them a confident nod. Part of me wanted to cry in their arms, but this shouldn't be a moment of sadness. They had all walked this path before me, and it was simply my turn. Serena entered the inn, followed by Anna, Greta, and Rolf. I smiled at them as Anna approached me for an embrace. I whispered to her, I want to thank you, Anna. You and Junie were always there for me when no one else was. I'll never forget that. She whispered back, I always knew you were special, baby. I'm so glad you found your path. Then she raised her voice so all could hear. You are going to do great things, Aurelia, guardian of friendship. You already have. Rolf and Greta nodded in agreement, but seemed at a loss for words. That was fine. I could see they had changed, and I no longer wished for them to live with guilt and regret. I chuckled at them. Hey now, you two, I already told you, you're forgiven! I know you'll do better, and I know the lives you touch from now on will be better for it. They smiled at me with tears in their eyes. I looked around the room with a sigh. Well, this is it. Thank you, everyone, for everything. You will all be in my mind and in my heart, always. With that, I picked up my pack and left the inn, left Greenest, and began my pilgrimage. All right, that was two parts of my three-part backstory. I'm actually realizing now that uh, all the crying makes it hard to read, so I'm going to stop it there, and I am going to read part three of the... Uh, of my backstory called part three the pilgrimage and then i can also follow it with um my notes from the first game session possibly even by then the second game session because every finished finished session becomes backstory to the next so this is going to be a continuous story and um i don't know if i said this before i started reading or not but anyway 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed part one and two out of three of the backstory for Aurelia, Guardian of Friendship. And uh, stay tuned for more of this, because I really like doing this, and I will keep going whether you want me to or not. <laughs> anyway, oh well, I'm back to long episodes, it seems. Um, I had fun. I hope you did too. And if you want to see more of this, please, please tell me, because I am enjoying the heck out of this. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye.